am I, am I, am I, am I supreme, supreme am I, I am supreme, supreme mind. You asking how to redeem mine when it's my reality to be fine, I am sublime. Is it wartime for your war crimes? Let's start with your canine. Are they part of your bloodline? Started messing with their genes first and had them dispersed? It's weird, ain't it? How you end up having the same smell? I'd say it's time for a farewell. Am I supreme? Supreme am I? I am supreme. Supreme mind. Undefined. Let's heal mankind with mysteries of light and life. We'll correct histories in the strife of our life. Uncivilized civilians roaming around as upstanding citizens of the largest atrocity to nature's existence is committed away. The facade your descendants carried on into this present time of victimless crime as I've allowed it too long and others perpetuated their own oppression and acquiescence, a simulation they've called it, that has solidified the stagnation, submission, domination, limited aspiration, despaired cooperation, mass evasion, and misrepresentation of the entire human race. We've yet to, as a union, deem it a disgrace, but here she is, the voice of reason, truth, and justice. Here I speak in roars, bringing flames to your games, and my supreme. Supreme am I, I am supreme, supreme mind. Thoughts that are refined from the heavens, divine lessons and sevens designed from the sacred love above. I am intolerant of the perils of destruction that have affected this plane. I'm the top of the food chain and I'm vegan. Have we begun again? The Armageddon bringing forth heavy nuclear weapons. Thank you for tuning in to the More Podcast episode. I'm pleased to be having you guys listen in again. Today we have a special guest speaker, Collins. Please hi. introduce yourself. <laughs> hi, hi. My name is Colin Terrell, everyone. My name is Colin Sofosopia, Ghanaian, and yeah, CEO of Clade Industries. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit more about who Collins is and what is Clade Industries? How do how were you inspired to create Clade Industries? Right. Uh, once again, I'm a born and bred Ghanaian, right? Even though I spent a bit of time outside of Ghana, <laughs> yeah, I'm Ghana to the core, right? I love the people here. I love the, I love the culture here and I love the food here, really. And um, yeah, so basically I'm a, bachelor, I have, I'm a bachelor's degree holder in computer science and I have some good industry experience in the banking industry and uh, the startup spaces, right? Before setting up my firm, Clade Industries, and the IoT, artificial intelligence, uh, and data analytics space, right? So IoT is basically the Internet of Things, trying to capture data from real life situations, right? So that that data can be analyzed, right? Through our, not only through our data analytics systems, but through our AI software, which is specialized to make things more efficient in everything we do in a wonderful country, right? So basically trying to push the, um, sustainability um, and uh, industrial push in Ghana using as much smart data analytics and artificial intelligence help as possible really wow that's amazing and what type of projects are you guys currently working on right so <laughs> not to reveal too much right but then um, we group our AI setups in three main um, aspects, right? First of all, there's the uh, the babysitter protocol, which is to handle everything that occurs in the home or on the domestic side, right? So home automation, home security, and um, all that data analytics that would help you to 
save a bit of money in your, on your own in your home right and then the second side is on the industry side so basically managing industrial level software and hardware right um, factory equipment all those kind of things and so yes basically while the babysitter side serves you at home the industrial side serves you at work and tries to help you increase your efficiency on that end and then the third aspect is on the financial side because we want to kind of encourage everybody to make passive income right instead of um investing too much in the the betting spaces and all those kind of things let's try and diversify our passive income so we make some money on the basic and um, new financial instruments are coming up not just the nfts or the blockchain market but investments in the real estate spaces and all those kind of things right open to the everyday Ghanaian pretty much right that's amazing so what about ai got you so inspired to bring it to ghana and do you think that the the community in ghana is ready for something so technological innovative right so basically i started my career thinking i would go into medicine right i, I started my career my career thinking i'd be going into the surgical spaces right a bit of surgical technology and all those kind of things right but after some time of a couple of a couple of years abroad i saw how much advancement was happening in spaces outside of africa and i realized that if people have made mistakes before if people have tried things done so many things and made so many mistakes so many advancements right not only can we avoid making the same mistakes but we can learn from what they have they have done basically we can learn from the strategies that they took and the data that they collected around the way right um so yeah basically that's why i felt bringing artificial intelligence and data analytics into ghana would help improve our efficiency and help speed up the growth that we're trying to get into so um my aim is to try to help with regards to the private spaces because i mean we keep saying stuff like we want to fix our country and all those kind of things right it's about time we actually took an active hold in that field rather than always asking for somebody to come fix our country for us so yeah in order to enable that we're trying to provide the ai tech that shows you the way basically trying to analyze the information that came from other people's mistakes and your own mistakes on the ground and trying to do things better not making the same mistakes over and over again without any output pretty much so yeah ghana is ready as long as ghana feels like or ghanaians feel like it's time for us to grow finally <laughs> yeah so yeah ghana is ready to me okay and how do you can you explain how you would like combine ai with sustainable development in ghana right so i think currently there's been a big real estate push in ghana right but a lot of these real estate firms are setting up uh just buildings right buildings that can be acquired lived in so on and so forth right but if if you are a bit on the ground right people complain about not having jobs um people complain about uh, the prices of real estate the prices of renting and all those kind of things right ai kind of like we're trying to use AI to kind of like bridge that gap, right? So by just by not just developing homes or buildings, right? But then trying to de develop what we call an ecosystem, a place where you can not only obtain a place to sleep, but then work, right? Something to do, right? Um, a job. There's a lot. There's a lot of mineral resource in the country. There's a lot of uh, 
human resource in the country and there's a lot of trained human resource in the country to be more specific right so yeah a place where you can get a job a place where you can get um a lot of information right on the ground on what you're trying to do and what you should probably entrepreneur um or focus your entrepreneurship uh, journey in right so basically in um in the last year or in the last few years a lot of people have tried to get into the entrepreneurial spaces right so trying to make sure that more entrepreneurs succeed rather than fail right by having the data analytics and the ai guidance right so basically you don't go into the whole field blind or without knowing what's going on but then you have as much information and data as possible to guide you on your way and as much insight to make you realize that okay this is where someone else failed how did they fail what made them fail and all those kind of things right because the more people who build jobs and solutions around us the more people who get work to do around us so that's one way to kind of like tackle the issues that are around us currently so yeah that is that's how we're trying to marry everything so not just building buildings pretty much so trying to partner with real estate firms to build cohesive ecosystems right Places where you can get a job, good information to set up your own job, or yeah, just basically good insight to inform everything you want to do from A to Z. All right. Well, that that sounds amazing. Um, but my question now lays in like this is a big idea with AI having it in Ghana. So what's like what's the plan as far as like having it be funded and things like that? How does how does that fit into a space in Ghana and then how do you curtail um, people coming in to extract funding from a huge operation like this or trying to corrupt it what are your your mechanisms right. give it lay it out for my audience so they can be inspired <laughs> by you right so um usually when people try to start a business in Ghana they they go and look for the funds right they go and look for somebody to bankroll them pretty much grants and all those kind of things right and sometimes you hear that this startup or that startup has secured a lot of money but they've not been able to actually use it to do much because they made problems that they weren't expecting mm -hmm. so for um once again i did, I did my degree in Ashesi, and in Ashesi we did a couple of leadership programs and a, lo a lot of <laughs> a lot <laughs> a lot of field work with regards to entrepreneurship and we realized from that level of field work um, yeah, so from the very first year, we do a course called FDE. Mm -hmm. So that's basically um, trying to get you to get into the entrepreneurship mindset from the very beginning. Okay. So basically, from day one, you're supposed to come up with a solution, get an MVP, go out into the field, go talk to people, test it out, right, and show actual detail, actual results. What we realized was that in as much as some solutions uh, work on paper or some solutions are great on paper most of the time it doesn't translate into the real world the way we expect it to because mm. solutions don't exist in a bubble people will always use solutions differently from how we as entrepreneurs or we as developers plan them to use them right so basically getting to know the people who are going to use the service or getting to have that um, knowledge of your market base is very very important it's actually one of the things you should do before even looking for funding or trying to source funding to begin with maybe you can get funding to help you to get that information but if you source funding before you know your market or before you know the kind of people who are going to use your service you you often try to solve a problem that nobody buys into or people use and mm. effect or people corrupt really easily because they don't really understand the solution to begin with All right so yeah so trying to curb that what we decided to do was 
we took an entire year basically trying to meet the chiefs the the um, representatives of the people the the popular people in society right because those are the people who are on the ground and understand what the people are doing not just the politicians and the people who represent us who are supposedly representing us in government and in parliament right but the people who are on the ground with the people on a daily basis those are the people who know what everyone is talking about everyone is trying to do everyone is looking for right and how the common man or the everyday man would actually in, interact with the solution they're looking at so that's the first thing we did it was uh it was a team effort it was a group effort we tried to put together as much insight and as, as big a network as possible i think this is something that a lot of people talk about in a lot of spaces in ghana when you're starting your entrepreneurship journey that networking is very important but that cannot be overstated enough networking is so 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 important having um because once again uh before you even secure your funds your network would basically determine how much money you need to start your first solution if i can give an example right if i wanted to produce um a phone right let's say i wanted to produce a phone and i knew people who made chips i knew people who made motherboards i knew people who made so on and so forth right i can get better deals and better pricing as to how my final prod product how much my final product will cost right but if i didn't know anybody and i had to source everything on my own right i would have to take up every single part of the costing on my own right so yeah basically knowing people or knowing the network helps you to source things as prices that make your job easier and your job more efficient because once again um or let me just say this for the first time we can't do everything on our own and a network tries to delegate the various tasks that come in producing a product right. to people who are specialized in all those fields right so if you know people who if you're trying to make a phone once again if you know people who are very very good at making screens that makes your job and your research and development on screen production very easy right it's because you know that okay this guy will handle all my screens for me and i can trust them with all of that right and yeah basically it reduces how much money you need to look for to begin with so yeah we sorted out the first we had to meet the people on the ground to see how people would actually interact with our solutions and see if there was a need for it to begin with right secondly we try to build a good enough and it was kind of simultaneous actually try to build a good enough network to see how we we're going to source various components um developers system developers system designers product designers all those kind of things right all those kind of various parts even architects for the sustainable communities and all those kind of things we needed to we needed to know enough people in those spaces and then from there sourcing funding from sourcing funding for a minimum um prototype was much easier because once again if more people know about your goal and more people buy into your goal sourcing funds within that network becomes easier because not only are you going to get donors to start what you're trying to do but then you're going to get people who actually believe in the idea and are willing to give you money pretty much for free without asking you for too much interest or uh, too much equity on what you're trying to do and once again if you if you uh, how do you call it, if you try to do everything on your own you usually fail uh with regards to setting up a firm if you give up too much of your equity or too much of your um voting rights and voting power as well as a, as a startup you usually lose focus very very quickly because usually the people who buy equity into your firm would want to direct you towards their own goals or mm -hmm. they want to make money you need to make money for them you need to make a profit for them so basically trying to solve this the problem that you initially had 
becomes misty you can't even focus on what you're trying to do because you're trying to meet some deadline or some um some market share or some uh profit margin by the end of the period right so instead of that if you have people in your network who trust you and believe in the vision and pull money together into the vision it's easier to keep or stay focused and um stick to the path right and it's also it's also kind of like harder for you as an entrepreneur to get up in the morning and say you know what I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to squander this money because um, sometimes we need those kind of safeguards because sometimes it gets really hard as an entrepreneur. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all. It gets really hard as an entrepreneur and you wonder, is this even worth continuing, right? But then if you have a network that's already believes into your, in your idea, already buys into your idea, right? They can even push you harder, right? They can push you, oh, um, how do you call it? How's it going? How, how much... Um, how much more time do you need or how, how are things going with your plan? Do you need any more help? Do you need any more um, resources and all those kind of things, right? It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you on track, right? Because if it was just you and some equity man managers funds, I mean, if you get tired or if you get uh, frustrated enough, you could probably give up the goal and uh, yeah, go by the wayside or just spend money on something that seems easier. But then if you have um, a network that's pushing you continuously, you do way more, honestly. You you achieve way more in sometimes shorter periods of time than you can expect. So yeah, that's what we that's what we focused on: getting the knowledge from the people, setting up the network, from our network and from our own um, resource. We were able to put up a lot of the funds required to set up some minimal stuff, um, all the registrations, patents, and all those kind of things. And then from there, we pushed upwards and onwards. Right from there, we were a more attractive business or a more attractive proposition for investors or for buyers or for marketers because um, another thing is when you have a good network uh, and when you have a good minimum viable prototype before you go to an investor they know that if they invest in you you're more likely to get it right because if you have nothing they would have to basically trust that you'll be able to do everything on your own but then if you have a good network and say, oh, I, I know this guy, I know this guy, I know that guy who can help me with this and this and that. So right? they know that, okay, so at least this and this and that is very much secure because I know this guy, I've worked with him before and he's the kind of person who gets things done. So once again, your network kind of like expands your portfolio and makes it easier for an investor to buy into your idea or for even the general populace to buy into your idea. Because imagine you're a partner with... Uh, MTN or um, Vodafone or something uh, in a networking um, in a networking solution or in a solution for any of those projects, right? It increases the likelihood of people to buy into you because it's a familiar brand that they know. It's a familiar um, it's a familiar company that they are comfortable with dealing with. So yeah, um, a network is very very important, and that's one thing we focused on for, like I mentioned, a year, and then once we got that down. Um, we got a minimum viable prototype out and then we scaled upwards and from there getting securing contracts has been I would say easy <laughs> we still needed to talk a bit but then it has been way easier than it would have been because the moment we start talking because they know who is representing us and who's backing us the conversation becomes easier to navigate pretty much wow 
But it's really hard to acquire a good network, though. So what's your secret? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, it is hard to acquire a good network if you overlook people. Mm. This is this is one thing I think a lot of people do, right? Uh, maybe it's a cultural thing, but then usually. Uh, what do you mean a cultural thing? I mean in general society, really. Mm. Sometimes people don't look as impressive as they actually are so we just sideline them really yeah. Some, sometimes sometimes um, more commonly in Ghana it comes down to grades and those kind of things right if if somebody doesn't have good grades on paper and somebody doesn't seemingly have uh, a good way of speaking good looks that's those kind of things all those kind of minor factors kind of come in and people sideline other people but then we need to remember that if you treat everybody the same way it doesn't take anything away from you and it's funny where the next connection comes from right. it's, it's actually funny sometimes the person you think about the least or pay the least attention to is the person who has that key connection for your next move or for your next uh grant sourcing or for your next fund sourcing really because some of the most unassuming people do some of the greatest things <laughs> you'd once again um uh, from my time in networking right uh, some of the people that I've met if I saw them anywhere else I would not know <laughs> that they were who they were after I met them or after I got to know them so yeah let's just try to be as should I say I don't want to say as friendly <laughs> unassuming yes as unassuming and as as open to interacting with people as possible right yeah. so and when i say as open to interacting with people i don't mean just go about pitching everything that you have in mind to everybody <laughs> no, no, no. i mean um how do you call it trying to basically be as let me just go back to friendly as friendly to people as you can be because yeah people first impressions count and uh yeah people sometimes from your first impression can say that okay this person sounds like a very smart lad right so they kind of like um interact with you more share a bit more with you and mm -hmm. in sharing a bit more with you and in getting to know you better they are more open to ex like exposing ideas or business ventures or opportunities that they have um one of the things i've also noticed is that a lot of people have ideas in ghana and a lot of people have um projects in mind or things they want to do but then very few people get into contact with the people who can actually push the idea and yeah. make it you know worth something right so yeah um <laughs> in order to attract those few people let's be open as open as possible right well, yeah that's true we should always be kind to each other and you know it's mankind so we should always <laughs> keep that in mind um so what is your your vision for africa in general you can say you can start with your vision for Ghana, but on a larger scale, what's your what's your vision for Africa and Africans in the diaspora? Like, what do you see? Right. So, um, <laughs> let me say this: every country or every um, every existing country that we value or we think is great currently is, should I say? Majority of the time, or majority of the services that we in Ghana expect the government to provide. Those services abroad are provided by private firms and subsidized by government corporations, right? So stuff like public transit and all those kind of things, right? Even though the government has an option for that, private firms push it. And most of the time, a private individual starts and then the government buys it up. So I want to say that if we keep the entrepreneurship drive up, right? And being in Ghana for 
the last year the last two years a lot of people have been trying to do stuff which is very inspiring right if we keep the spirit up and we if we keep the network going and if we keep working together we can do amazing things because the potential on the ceiling for africa is very very high fortunately we don't have or fortunately or unfortunately we don't have a lot of static settlements in africa we don't have something like a new york where it's basically a concrete jungle and changing stuff would be a bit difficult and a bit long term right in africa we have a lot of open land resources people who are energized and ready to go <laughs> so if we keep the entrepreneurship drive and if we work together i can't i can't stress enough on the fact that we have to work together if yes. you try to work alone and everybody's trying to do their whole thing alone right we end up cla uh, uh, clashing a lot and we end up um, cannibalizing on each other's market shares but then if we come together and we form a collaborative push Mm. it's easier to get things done because everybody's effort comes in so the little you do the little i do the little everybody does comes together and it becomes a big punch a big push and the the sky's the limit basically uh the future is sustainable the future is um collaborative and mm. if we take everything we have here serious from the tourism aspects to the mineral resource aspects to the natural resource aspects to everything really if we take everything serious and if we all bring together our ideas and work together vertically i mean <laughs> we could do something here that has never been sort of before stuff that we think is only possible in movies actually so yeah maybe we can have a Wakanda in Ghana <laughs> or something. I love that. Some saying that I created in my head is collaboration over competition. <sighs> yes. That's what we as Africans need to prioritize. Yes, yes. Okay, and then I have one other question because I've been trying to sort it out in my head. What do you think about the disassociation of Africans who are in America from Africa or the disassociation that happens with Africans lo looking at um, African Americans or anyone else within the diaspora or an African that has lived or was born in the UK and France. Like, what's your view on that type of disassociation and cultural genocide that has taken place in our communities? Uh, yes, uh, um, recently actually there was this Twitter space <laughs> even talking about things on that same level really. Hmm. Um, I think on that end it comes down to education and once again networking mm. if you get to know somebody from the diaspora you get to realize that not only is this person quite similar to myself right I think Nakaja can speak <laughs> meeting Nakaja and interacting with Nakaja we've spoken about a lot of things that we both thought about but we both have different upbringings right but from seeing the world around us and from seeing the problems around us we both think pretty similarly and for other people in our network too we have very like-minded people so all i'll say is if we interact more together right uh diasporans and africans and all those kind of things we have an open dialogue on a lot of things we'll start to realize that we're not that different and it's not just africans really people in general because i had a lecturer in a chassis who was um he he's australian right and he came in to teach leadership in Shesi, and apparently he came to Ghana um, about 20 years ago and he, f he went straight to the northern region, fell in love, 
with Ghana really and hasn't looked back since right so all these kind of people exist for a reason um, at the end of the day all we are all people we're, we all want to be comfortable we all want to be happy we all want the people who we care about to be happy so if we kind of like come come to an open dialogue we'll start to realize that our experiences and everything around us is not that different right um, I, let, let me give you a personal story I once again I, I, I spent a bit of my childhood in North London right and um, a lot of people wonder why I'm a Tottenham fan in Ghana, but that's the reason why <laughs> I spent a bit of time in North London and seeing the kind of passion, the the love that people had for a football team. Because maybe um, during the week, right, seven days a week or maybe five days a week, they would go to work, be stressed out, and British people, <laughs> British people are a bit dreary, a bit. Um, yeah, so yeah, be stressed out, work. All those problems in life and everything right all they want for one hour 30 minutes or for two hours was that their football team will make them happy right their sports team or whatever they supported will make them happy for like two hours they could forget all their problems and just be happy and i come to ghana and i see the same thing right even from schooling children go to class get bad grades fight argue do whatever but for whatever period in time when they were playing sports everybody was happy right? until until maybe something happened during the game or something but for just that period of time everybody was happy and associated on that level right so once once again if we can have that open dialogue and have that find that common ground we'll realize that we're not that different and working together as a way forward really um i don't reject information from anybody I, the more information I get from people, the more I get to understand their points of view and the reasons why they make the decisions that they make or the reasons why they come to the conclusions that they come to, right? So basically, it's not being combative and trying to defend what you have sometimes blinds us from the fact that let's hear out the person to maybe a full extent before we have a full argument, really. So yeah, um, I think an open dialogue can be had on that end. And also, another thing is, Africans and Ghanaians and let me just talk about Ghanaians we need to start cherishing what we have because yes. if you don't cherish what you have how do you expect somebody else to cherish what you have if you are if you keep leaving your home to go somewhere else to go and find jobs and all those kind of things right and the person tells you to go back home and you get offended by that think about it from their perspective if your home was so great why did you leave it again that's that's basically because they know that in the end of the day you, you keep acting like what they have is better than what you have right so even though you keep saying that oh we're from african we're proud of african all those kind of things let's start to act it out let's start to make something comfortable over here that we can be proud of that way when we go outside you know everybody sees that we're just here to come chill we're just out here to come and experience stuff we're just here to come and you know some tourism some education just something right to visit family or something it's not because we need you or because we're desperate or something <laughs> but it's because i mean we just want to interact with more people right yeah so that's basically something a challenge i like to push to everybody let's try to make our home something that is visible that we're visibly proud of yes i definitely a hundred percent agree Thank you for coming and speaking on the more podcast. I really appreciate it, and for all your insight, I've learned a lot. <laughs> no, I'm I'm honored, honestly. I'm honored to be here, <laughs> and um, I'm glad to share whatever information I pick up. Because um, once again, we work together, and uh, I think if everybody 
gets information and bottles it up in a corner <laughs> it doesn't help anybody else so yeah let's let's share our perspectives as much as possible even if you don't agree with anything i said or anything that's been said on this podcast i mean you, you bring up your perspective and we all learn together really all right knowledge is meant to share so yeah. i definitely agree with that yeah imagine aristotelian socrates kept their knowledge in a pot exactly or in hotel okay yeah. <laughs> okay well thank you so much for listening and tuning in to the more podcast episode and stay tuned for more peace